Today's guest is Shonda Ja of the organization Without Fear Anti-Oppression Consulting. We talk about the community of organizing and diversity, equity, inclusion, and how she hopes in helping the movement and not selling it out by shifting from one to another. We also talk about people's ability to make change, in which she wrote about in Transforming Communities. Please give a warm welcome to ever-blessed Shonda Jaw. This is the cutest layout I have ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> How was your Friday? It's been busy. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Is this uh, your photo or are you frozen? Nope. This is me. Oh, that's this weird because I can totally, yeah, I can see both of us. That's interesting. Oh, you're smiling, but <laughs> that's the longest smile I've ever seen. Oh, I'm sorry. I do smile all the time, but you can't see my lips moving, huh? No, not at all. Let's see if I can... Uh, Okay, I'm going to leave you outside the box because <laughs> I can just see your pretty face. Uh, it's, That's great. I don't know why it's you're a good mannequin, you know, do that <laughs> miming thing. It's pretty, you're pretty talented. Didn't, didn't even know you had that neck. <laughs> I love it. So how did your how did your vacation go? Your time off? It was it was not bad. So it was really good to get away. This is around the anniversary of my father's passing. And so for my mother to be able to get away over Thanksgiving was really lovely. Um, And we were flying back on a Monday. And so all during our time away, she kept saying, I wonder if we can cancel Mondays. Because if we cancel Monday, then I can't fly home. So oh, wow. She yeah. tried that strategy, but everyone else thought it was Monday. So she had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly my mother had a good time. That was really fun. Well, so, that's good. Yeah. That's really, that's, I'm glad that she was able to, to have that. And you, this is not your first time on the rodeo. So, yeah, no, I've done a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I really love doing them. I love the conversation. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I was like, you have a beautiful, rich background in, in your ethnicity and heritage and culture. So I just, it just kind of threw me off when you said Scottish and um, Indian. Yes. Yep. And I'm like, that is the coolest combination I would have never <laughs> thought of, but it blends like everything else. It blends beautifully, you know, or. Oh. And I think that's the interesting thing is like, there are actually some similarities culturally, right? My parents had actually a lot more in common than anyone would have expected. Um, The reason everybody was opposed to it was about race. But when it comes to culture, there was so much alignment between their values and their priorities that their relationship managed to work despite everyone being opposed to it. Yeah. So how did that all, I mean, I, I know that the listeners are, are listening for the first time and to get to know specifically yeah. is um, how did that all, all began? I know, of course, uh, I love to hear the stories and how the parents just kind of like started this journey and yeah. uh, created you. So can you tell Absolutely. me a little bit about that? Just kind of like. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think one of the the things that's worth naming is from my vantage point, and I think the narrative we get in the U.S. about immigrants is all these people who come to the West for a better life. And in some ways that's true, but I think most immigrants aren't necessarily drawn by opportunity so much as driven by divestment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of the places we come from, so for my father, 
I think he would have been thrilled to get to stay in his village in India and have his life. But a whole bunch of things conspired that meant since he was the youngest and he wasn't married and our family was struggling financially, he was the one who was sent abroad to support the family um, because he didn't have the same attachments. And so um, very often we have this narrative of, you know, going off in search of a better life. He was going off in order to allow his family back home to be able to survive in the place where they wanted to be. Right. Um, And the beautiful part of the story, and I think this part that he would want me to lean on more than that, uh, is so he goes to Glasgow because uh, India and Britain had that kind of relationship where he could get into school there. And my uncle was able to help him afford to go to pay for his, you know, uh, ship uh, to Britain. And he was at a college dance and my mother went, my mother had grown up in Glasgow and she went to the, to the teacher's college. uh, And she said, there were no men at the teacher's college. So we went to Glasgow tech for the dances. Right. Oh wow! (laughs) And she said, all the men lined up on one side of the room and all the women lined up on the other side. So you had a chance to decide while the guy was approaching you, whether you wanted to say yes or not. But since my father had never been to a dance and didn't know what the rules were, he came up from behind her and she didn't have a chance to think about it. Oh my Uh, gosh. Is that adorable? So (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, so they dated, um, I mean, it's a longer story than that, but they dated for about five years before they got married. Both of their families were opposed. He, she had already been disowned by her parents by that time. And he got, got married without telling his parents, uh, they're, they're still sending him photos of prospective brides that they're trying to choose out for him. Right. Gracious. Um, (laughs) so So my mother was like the secret wife for a while. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, But because, yeah, both both families were very much opposed to it. Um, And, you know, they got married uh, 1969 in Britain there when uh, when they tried to buy their first home, uh, a neighbor circulated a petition to try to stop them from moving into the neighborhood because they didn't want any miscegenated babies growing up in that neighborhood. Hmm. But look how cute this miscegenated baby is. And you are (laughs) definitely rocking that hair. I love it. I cannot wait. (laughs) I'm getting there. Gradually. But I can't wait. Like that was like one of my goals. People looked at me so weird when I was younger. I was like, I cannot wait to have gray hair or white hair. And they're like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I just always depict um, the, the connection between gray hair and white hair um, to my elders that which means yeah. knowledge and I was like yeah. I cannot wait to be super I smart love I love and it people didn't understand that but I used to sit and I was the girl that uh, I didn't like to go out to play I was the one who was sitting around like with the gaz- elders yes gazing into the in awe of all the stories that they would talk about yeah. of their old times I'm like oh my god that is so amazing totally. I love, I love it yeah <laughs> and it's almost like um it kind of comes in full circle because like some of the things that they would talk about is the fight mm-hmm. for freedom and the yep. fight in the war in Vietnam yep. and World War Two and how we, we fought for our brothers and sisters and, yeah. you know, and then all the, all the stories that they, they lost the, their loved ones or, or friends and family or brothers and sisters who were in the military. Yeah. You know, I'm a military brat, so I completely understand how that goes. Right. 
But then here, people were fighting their own battle. You know, the ones who were not part of that military chaos and and all of the conflict between two countries and trying to be allies with another country fighting their war kind of scenario and the people who were activists and people who were trying to take yep. you know the caretakers of you know i know from like was it world war one there was a scenario where i i think that's i believe one of the movies kind of gave me more insight on the history is that that so many men were shipped out to go to the military that it left a lot of the companies to almost uh, decline in their business because they had no male right. workers. So they actually started hiring women yeah. to take over. And it's like, you think it only affects, you know, the people who are going out to the war? No, it's, right. it affects the whole family. It affects the children, right. it, the women, the, the wives who had to be left behind to do not only their job and their responsibility, but to actually bring home the money. Yep. So, you know, and that was some of the things that I noticed your background that you got, you, you get kind of involved in, you know, your expertise in, in yeah. specifically dealing with that and how to absolutely deal with the burnout and dealing with the spirituality of activism yep. organizing. So, yep. Yeah, so a lot I'm, of my work ends up being around anti-racism in particular. And oh, yes. I really think one of the big things that we need to pay attention to is often we start with where we are now. And I think that's actually a mistake. We can't really understand why things are the way they are if we don't know the history. So yes. what you're talking about is so critical because oh, yes. sometimes people are like, listen, I'm just trying to figure out how to make this organization less racist. What does that have to do with you know, what happened 200 years ago, but actually it we're does. dealing with the stuff we're dealing with now because of a lot of invisibilized history. And of yeah. course they say, if you don't remember your history, history repeats itself. So exactly. if you decide not to stand for that, I mean, back to that story in regards to, to listening to the stories of my elders yeah. and having women saying that they had to fight for their rights to yep. vote, fight for their rights to have a job, fight for, and, and we're st- and, and like literally, or fight for their rights of their own choice of their, of for mm-hmm. their body. Yep. Literally 50 to 70 years now here, we're going through this. We're having the same, same fight. situation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like we are, we're playing that same record on that gramophone. You know, you yeah. need to upgrade that gramophone to, you know, like a little <laughs> DJ mix of uh, something more. That's going to be like right on spot of what our goals are. Like, yeah. It's it's just beyond me. I like there's the story of a one woman who was fighting in the 70s and 60s for my body, my rights. Yep. And she was like in her 20s, yeah, early early teens. You know, I'm sorry, late teens. And here she is, 50 years later, grandma, great grandmother, still in the same fight. Yep. That just floors me. Yep. On how we. It just it never changes. And I want that change. If yep. there's enough voices out there to say this needs to stop in synchronicity. Yeah. There's gotta, you know, I just want to be here when it happens. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And hopefully be a part of it. Yes. Yes. I'll be I'll Absolutely. be in the back, like I'll be handing out the water on, on the march. <laughs> <I> be- <laughs> That's the thing is we all have roles. I think people assume the only way you can be involved in the work of justice is uh, to be marching in the streets. That's not what everybody's job is, but that doesn't excuse anybody from being involved, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that um, we all have roles. I was so um, 
back in 2017, early 2017, when the Muslim ban uh, was rolled out, um, a lot of a lot of folks were just kicking into high gear to um, make sure that that uh, legislation wasn't doing um, just horrific harm to communities. One of my colleagues uh, is an immigration rights attorney, uh, and she's with the Council on American Islamic Relations. And she said, for the first time in her life, uh, lawyers were sexy, right? They were the ones doing the hard work and they were the frontline workers. And she was like all proud because like all these years she had been backing up the organizers and the activists and that was who was sexy. But all of a sudden she's like, look at us, we're the thing now. Um, and she said, one of the things she will never forget is the number of mothers who were like, on their way to dropping their kids off to soccer practice would stop by the office with a plate of food. And mm -hmm. she said, this is what we don't talk about is nourishing the movement is part of the work, like taking care of the kids so that other mothers can show up and do organizing. That's part of the work. There's so many aspects. Like if you have any sorts of gifts, you have something to contribute to the movement for justice. It doesn't just have to be in the streets. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like everyone contributing to one yeah. important thing that is a life ever changing movement for yep. all. Yep. For every single living being. It doesn't even yeah. have to be human. Every living being, mm -hmm. animals to the environment, to our the water, yep. to the land, mm -hmm. to everything. Dude, I want to be at that moment, like, finally, yes. And I can just <laughs> say to the elders who are not able to be here, yeah. we finally did it. We yep. finally made it. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Your voice did matter. Your, your uh, participation, your heart, your drive, your passion, your journeys, your, your blood, your sweat and tears is officially being heard, been seen, um, been accepted and appreciated. But yeah, when that time comes, yeah, I just, I, I hope, I swear, I just like, if I'm on my deathbed and, you know, that'll be the last thing that I would love to see. Absolutely. If I could just get one glimpse of something like that and I, I would be so happy, so happy. I think that's what keeps us engaged in the work, right? Yeah. It's, and it's critical. Um, it's, so we're in a season right now where a lot of the focus of my spiritual work is around helping people remain engaged with hope. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I was talking about with a group just this morning was the connection between hope and patience. Mm, okay. um, because we need to recognize the urgency of all of these justice issues. We need to press forward. We need to be persistent. We need to constantly be moving the dial forward. And some of this works generational work. Some of it's long-term work. Sometimes we're going to experience pushback and rollback like we're experiencing right now and have mm -hmm. been for several years. Um, in addition to being tenacious, it's actually really important for us to be patient. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason I say that is it's dangerous to have a hope that hinges on a specific outcome, like a specific policy win or something like that, because that makes our hope very fragile. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that what keeps us going is a hope 
for that beautiful vision of what Dr. King would have called beloved community, right? Mm -hmm. What you're describing is totally um, beloved community. To me, what that means is a place where everyone's needs are met and everyone's gifts are honored. Mm -hmm. Um, And that we're able to be in where and where everybody is experienced in the fullness of their being, including all of creation. To me, that's what beloved community is. And that's such a big vision. We need to be able to hold a certain amount of patience, uh, even while we are constantly working to make it a reality. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I just feel like I want to lift my, my fist up in the air be like <laughs> You've got that right. You say it, sister. You say it. Or should I apologize? I, I believe your pronouns are she and they. She and they. So I am good either either way, whatever okay. folks are comfortable with. All totally. Right. Yeah, it's not so I'm like, she, hey, okay. And that's something that um I fall in the LGBTQ community. Right. So I am like, I love that people are embracing their pronouns, but yeah. I am so new to understanding. Sure that and I don't want to ask the wrong questions to insult somebody but if I come across approaching with a good intention and good yeah. heart yeah I, mean, I really want to know can you tell me how do you approach that so yeah how did you understand or become the pronouns or or to accept the pronouns of she and they yeah. so yeah yeah absolutely i'm happy to talk about that so it's interesting. This started becoming something that was on my radar maybe 10 years ago. And I remember saying to a number of my friends, if I were 10 years younger, I would probably identify as gender non-conforming or gender mm-hmm. non-binary. And, you know, as I was reflecting with my friends, I said, largely because um, a lot of the traits about me uh, are considered traditionally masculine traits. Hmm. And at the same time, I don't, I don't think my gender is male. Um, that's not, you know, I'm not experiencing what they call gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the gender I was born with and the gender I identify with are all that different. But I have absolutely spent most of my life being too loud, too, you know, too big, too aggressive to be good at being female, right? So the construct of what female means has never fit well. And I feel like um, I've spent a lot of my life with my gender being policed because I wasn't doing it right. Hmm. So I, you know, so I said, oh, good for these young people, you know, good for them for finding a different way. I wish I could do that. And maybe just a few years ago, I realized, oh, I can do that Mm -hmm. because... I'm not completely uncomfortable in the body I'm in, but the construct, the way that gender has been defined for us, female isn't really the right description of who I am or how I function in the world, Um, but neither is male. Mm -hmm. And so they feels right to me, partly because also I don't really want to be, I don't want to have my identity determined by gender sex, our biological sex is, um, is one thing, but gender is a different thing than that. And gender is really constructed by society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I realized at a certain point, actually, who I am in the world 
isn't related to a female construct or a male construct. And that's how they started showing up. But as opposed to some of my friends for whom that's their primary identity and it's really important <coughs> for people to understand them that way. Okay. Um, I, I recognize I walk through the world being read as female. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need people... To, I love it when people use they as a pronoun, but honestly, I understand that I get read as female and that's not that big a deal to me. And mm-hmm. so I give people the option of she, if that's where they are in their journey, if they're not quite ready to shift to calling me they. Okay. So I give people both options. Interesting. Um, I know I'm just, I like, I just, I'm just acquiring on this, but I just never embraced it. I never had a moment yeah. to actually embrace who I, I knew who I was. Yeah. Since I was five years old. Yeah. I liked girls. I like yeah. boys. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with it. I love, right. I love people who are drag queens. I love yep. uh, drag kings. I love yeah. everybody. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I know if I'm not sure if I'm labeling or accepting a particular label of myself, mm-hmm. um, but I've always considered myself bisexual. Um, yeah. But I don't, I feel like I'm more than that. I feel yeah. like I love who. I, I love, I love trans men. I love trans yep. women. I don't have a limit on my love. If I want to be in a relationship yep. with somebody who is of any part of the community, yeah. Um, I call them the the rainbow mafia. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> but it's like I love you. I just love yeah, you, whoever it is. Exactly. I love you. So I don't know if that's like. And actually, yes, that is 100%. And that's how I identify. And honestly, I primarily identify as queer, um, just because it's a more all-inclusive term. But, um, and it's a reclamation term, right? The term that was used against us, we're reclaiming and turning on its head and saying, yeah, actually, it's liberative to be queer, because queer means the opposite of normal. And normal is what's left us in this mess. Oh, I would rather course. not be normal. I would rather right. be queer, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, pansexual is the technical term for it. And so few people know what that means that uh, mm-hmm. it can be confusing for folks. It's a there's newer so term many. for a lot of people. Yeah, yes. I think there's like other play. I've, I've heard so many words like there's, yeah, there gender is, fluid, uh, right. or gender fluid, um, I think they use that a lot when it comes to indigenous community because they are two yep, spirits. They call it. Then there's the um, demisexual. Demisexual. That's Demis- right. Yep. Demisexual. Yep. I have no clue what that is. <laughs> and so demisexual just means uh, the need for uh, like relational connection or human connection or like a sense of I value you and I really like you before intimacy, physical intimacy. So mm-hmm. like needing emotional intimacy in order to experience uh, physical intimacy. That's okay. really what demisexual means. Oh, okay. Cause I so like I, no meaningless hookups for a demisexual. Got it. So there's also people who are, and I think that probably even falls in the same category. Um, I know I'm off. I'm off the, com- no, this the is combo, cool. but I'm I'm wanting to enrich and educate myself. Yeah, it's absolutely. not all about the. It's, I know it's not about, all the, about list- the listeners. Yeah, it's, it's about me, me. We're in the me, myself, and I generation. Good for no, you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chances are, if you want to know, your listeners want to know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's about yep. the guest and yes. to, sh- but people just take it out of context, whichever. <laughs> but um. There was a gentleman, he actually likes 
Naruto, he's like people. He likes objects in 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 a in a. I, that's probably like completely. That feels the, very out, niche. Out out in the out in the realm, like he actually falls in love with objects. Yeah, I'm like okay. I I love I love my coffee, but I wouldn't marry it. <laughs> There's a point where like I can't have nothing but coffee, but it's not that it's it's a different level of love. So it's interesting because to me, <laughs> to me, love requires consent. Like mm-hmm. for the kind of stuff we're talking about, right. consent is absolute. Like anybody who's engaging in anything that's not consensual, I'm not sure that's necessarily uh, a part of part of the from my vantage point. Consent's an absolutely essential part of okay. queer culture in general. So, yeah. Your yeah. pet can't give consent. Your inanimate objects can't give consent. There's like, certain things that I don't know fall actually into the LGBTQ movement in that particular way. Yeah. Speaking of that, I'm like, I was perfectly fine and understanding. I finally caught up with the understanding and the knowledge of what LGBTQ is. Mm-hmm. But then I think what was it 10, five, 10 years ago, they started adding a plus, no, a plus sign and then mm-hmm. another A and another some other numbers or letters or whichever. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's going to it's going to spell out supercalifragilisticexpialidocious because that's where it's going to. But I'm like, yep. I don't know what this plus sign is. I don't know what this A is for. And, yeah. and there's a lot of conflict arguments yeah. about you can't put adults loving children no. in this category no. that's an insult again, to consent. the community right. right right but then of course there's that 13 year old who fell over heels because they were being groomed by an adult that yep. doesn't fall in that category that is not consent and so yeah. i really do think consent is a real and it's interesting because i came into the queer community maybe only five years ago so i've only identified oh, okay. as queer about five years um i was I was a steadfast, fierce ally for many years. Um, and it was actually a roommate who, when I said, I might, I might be, and at that point, the term I was using was bisexual. And he was like, oh, yeah, I just assumed. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, like, I thought this was a whole process I had to go through. But no, <laughs> I actually can just be that thing. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Uh, so it was not a hard transition for me. It was very yeah. easy. And I had already built up so much deep relationship in the queer community that um, it was, you know, it was just a chance to benefit from the work that I had been doing all those years. It was kind of lovely. So anyhow, um, yeah, it was great. So I really do think one of the most inspiring things about um, the queer community is a deep commitment to consent that was one of my favorite things about transitioning out of traditional straight, uh, the the straight world Mm -hmm. uh, where that in theory is a thing, but it is, it is an essential part of um, queer community. Um, It is really a steadfast held value. And I think that that's pretty inspiring and beautiful and a gift to everybody um, to create ourselves more deeply in um, everybody being, being willing to advocate for themselves and to get their needs met and to be prioritizing each other's needs. Mm -hmm. That's a, that is very different than my experiences in straight dating. <laughs> right? Isn't it was it just, like, how do I get mine was kind like, of embedded in it much like, more yeah. than how do I prioritize other people's needs as well right. as listening to what my needs are for everybody to be doing both things all the time. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the one thing about the A uh, that was added that is kind of beautiful to me is it stands for asexual. Okay. And That's the one I was also thinking like, 
they love they, they love to be in a relationship but they but they don't some some love to be in a relationship and some don't some don't um, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily uh get fulfillment from physical intimacy in the sexual sense right and what i love about the a being added is so many of my friends who were made to feel like there was something wrong with them because they didn't long for sexual intimacy Mm-hmm. they now realize, oh, it's not that I'm wrong. Because in, in some ways, we've made it so that, like, that's the only way you're supposed to be is to want to have sex. I mean, there are people who say you should only have it in marriage. There are people who say you sh- you're allowed to have it anytime. But that notion that it's okay to not want sex is not necessarily normalized. Sex positivity should also include, I get to it's okay if I don't want that. Right, um, right. And so there was something beautiful about a number of my friends who all of a sudden were like, oh, I'm not a freak for not really enjoying sex. It's just who I am. Mm-hmm. To normalize that as one of many possibilities, I think is kind of great. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it because um, like I said, I'm the baby in the community. I, I Even though I've in my heart, I've always yeah. known but um, I'm still struggling with letting everybody and shouting it to the mountains. But as long as my Absolutely. girlfriend knows that I love yes. her, that's all that counts. Absolutely. So, and I counts. think there's two different things going on. There's like, what's my identity is one thing. What does it mean to be a part of this community is a different thing. Those are two different journeys. And mm-hmm. it's, it's okay to be grounded deeply in one's identity and, and then to figure out what it means to be a part of a community. I think... I know some people who understood their um, sexual orientation from very young age who resisted or didn't feel like they wanted to be a part of queer community for many, many, many years. And that worked fine until it didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they started exploring what it meant to be a part of community. And I know friends, I actually have friends who are very, you know, very much like gay or lesbian or um, whatever. And they're not really part of queer community. That's their identity. That's not mm-hmm. their community. Mm-hmm. I think that's a missed opportunity, but it's mm-hmm. work- if it's working for them, it's working for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, as a human being, we all need people. We all need, we all need, because I mean, that's, that's, I think that's how it's been engraved in us that we do need a community. Oh, yeah. We need people. We need, we need to, people. We need people and people need to need, need us. So yes. that, that love is just that connection that we have. And uh, I mean, if it's dressed up in a, in a rainbow bow yeah. or a uh, red bow, it doesn't, yeah. you know, if, if it's your preference, as long yeah. as you're being loved, you know, exactly. as long as you're being accepted, as long yep. as you have a community that's supportive. Yep. And, um, one of the things that I think has been such a conflict of our discussion is um, you can't mix. I think I'm going off the realm, but I'm trying to draw <laughs> ourselves back into the convo, into, into directing us. You know, I think I was talking to the, the other woman uh, before you. I was like, sometimes I just go off and I start yeah. climbing the Himalayas and I'm like, you know, what? we need to go back, back on the tour bus. Do it that way. Um, but the the conflict that a lot of people are just berating about you can't be in this kind of community and be reading the Bible and being right. spiritual and being, you know, um, 
you know, into the Christian or any type of religion community and then still and, and it's in the same sentence, say you're all, you're also in this community. Right. That's like a uh, blasphemy or that's just hypocritical right. or whatever right. the case may be. Now, how, have you ever dealt with that? I mean, yeah, I actually, my colleague Rihanna and I actually taught, we have an online course uh, to, called Reading the Bible for Liberation. Mm-hmm. And the primary focus of it is around race, but also about gender and also about LGBTQ inclusion. Um, because so often we end up in spiritual communities where the people with power want to retain power. And so they interpret the Bible in a way that preserves their power. And they mm-hmm. tell us that that's the only way you can read it. Right. But that's actually a lie because mm-hmm. the Bible actually has queer couples in it. The Bible actually has people of different um, gender identities in it. Um, the fact that we ignore those stories, even while we lift them up, is a tool of oppression. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I think it's ironic that people say you can't, um, you can't consider the story of Ruth and Naomi uh, a story of same gender love. And at the same time, what passage shows up in wedding after wedding, it's Naomi saying to Ruth, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. um, And may that God never separate us from each other. Well, if they're not a couple, why are you using that passage in your wedding ceremony? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, over and over, we hear these messages um, that allow people to retain power that are ripped out of their context, right? When we hear a man shall not lie with a man in, um, in Leviticus, we remove that from the context that in that time, what they were talking about is when one country conquered another, their soldiers, the winning soldiers raped the losing soldiers. Mm -hmm. And of course, the God of liberation would say, stop doing that. And instead, we've turned it into don't love who you love, which is actually in its own way, kind of evil. Because to say we worship a God of love, but don't love is actually a corruption of our understanding of who God is. And it's a corruption that allows a handful of folks to retain power over others. Um, I think this is why we need to learn how to read the Bible with each other through a liberative lens, because we actually worship a God of liberation and not a God who wants to erase love. Even the people who are opposed to LGBTQ inclusion in the church say they worship a God of love. Well, then let's try doing that and see and actually see what the world looks like when we do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I, again, I want to be there when that happens. <laughs> and one of the things and we get to create that. That's the other thing that's yes. worth remembering is actually I'm a really big fan of we don't just have to wait until it happens. We get to create those moments of divine love and divine joy with each other. Mm-hmm. And we get to experience tastes of heaven along the way. That's part of what makes this work beautiful. It's not just we do the hard work and then we get the reward. We get, doing the work well means we get the reward as we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think exactly. that experiencing that love 
is actually God showing up in our midst. Yeah, absolutely. I love, yes. Boy, I am learning so much today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for all of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that some of the questions, I don't even think I even hit on any of these questions yet. I'm just like, so enthralled in this. this thing. Absolutely. Like it's a- okay to have this conversation because I can have any conversation. I'm happy. <laughs> yes. And, and you yourself is a pastor. So you yeah. have like enriched, like uh, backed up research and you. Oh, yeah. Anytime live- somebody's trying to quote <laughs> the scriptures at me to tell me that, uh, that you know, God hates whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not the person to have that argument with. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Here comes a chihuahua who's who's going to uh, confront who is like the the running pit bull of the street. Like it's. I actually love pit bulls. So I'm super excited by that analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Like don't bring your little slinky, but you just don't know what you got yourself into. But um, this is. Yeah. So you walk the walk and you talk the talk. I love it. I love when people actually practice what you preach in a sense yeah Yeah, for sure and you've you have such you know i don't even know where to begin like your publications of course you know that you've like you've just mentioned a couple of them um i really encourage all my listeners to follow you and just to to i will definitely put all this information if i can in the show notes because oh that's beautiful yeah i'd love for people to get connected with that course on reading the bible for liberation the one other thing i'm gonna go ahead and put a plug in for just because it fits with the theme of what we're talking about is i know a lot of folks who are people of faith but because they believe in labor justice immigration justice women's rights right to choice um the movement for black lives you know anti-racism because they believe in any of those things they're told they're not really people of faith um Hmm. i do i it and and so a lot of people feel like they don't have any resources or support for the work that they're doing Mm -hmm. and so i actually wrote a book called liberating love it's uh 365 love notes from god the whole point of it was to to share a daily word of encouragement, support for progressive Christians who often get left out of the opportunity to plug into, you know, a lot of the daily devotionals that are out there are very conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted, I wanted folks who don't fit into that very conservative mold to also get that daily reminder of how much God loves them and wants them to experience that love in community. So liberating love is kind of my love note to movement folks, to LGBT folks, to people of color, to all the folks who get left out of um, the daily devotionals and the opportunities to Mm -hmm. get those daily reminders of God's love. That's awesome. Yeah, you got to give me the link. That's that's definitely going into into the show notes. (laughs) I am not going to leave. I'm going to cross my T's and dot my I's in that show notes because I want everybody to just even if just be like, I'm curious, like be curious, learn, enrich, grow. You know, that's the way we're able to fight on and and eliminate this uh, this bigotry and this discrimination and this, you know, this separation and segregation society yeah. that we have the more you know oh 
it's it's powerful. It's empowering for everyone. learning each other's stories is such an important part of our work of being human. Oh, I really sure. do think it's so important. That's probably the reason why I started this podcast. You know, yes. even though I I you know I started off as a voice, I still am off and on, but I'm kind of like a part time voiceover artist. But yeah, even before like during that time, I, I was having clients, and they're like. I just want to get my voice out there. I want my business to flourish. Yeah. And I was like, if I can't help them by using my voice for their commercials or their YouTube channels or whichever it is, I can find a way to get them out there. And that's why I extended my. I love that. um, This is my way of doing it. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of information. I, I was just like. This is amazing. Now, just quickly, quickly, for the listeners to know exactly how they're able to reach out to you. Do you have a website or or a place they can reach out to you? Yes. I would be thrilled if folks reached out to me at the easiest one to remember is withoutfearconsulting.com. And the thing that I'm the most proud of in my work right now is I do a weekly newsletter that's called Joy in justice. Uh, And so it's a weekly reminder to folks who are committed particularly to racial justice in the workplace, um, weekly tips, tricks, hints for how to remain connected with joy in the midst of that really important and sometimes hard work. So I'd be thrilled if folks joined my newsletter just for a little bit of encouragement every week. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an honor. I've really enjoyed our time together. Thanks so, so much for this. Absolutely. And it's, yes, like I said, um, I am just honored and I, I am just, I, I'm glowing with joy knowing that I am now enriched my soul even more today. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Thank oh. you so much for the conversation. It means a ton. You're very welcome. Have a wonderful weekend. Hey, thanks. You too. Take care. Okay. okay. You too. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Blue Zion podcast. And if you enjoy listening to my podcast, please don't hesitate to give me a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Also wanted to give a shout out and thank you so much to all my guests, past, present, and future. And stay tuned for the next upcoming episode on Fridays.